630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. So if you had a choice, would you sooner be the Falcon or the Winter Soldier? Here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. Second period just underway in Winnipeg. The Maple Leafs leading the Jets 3-2. Also in the second period, Rangers up 1-0 on the Flyers. Bruins leading Buffalo 1-zip. Marchand has his 25th. No score five minutes into the second between the Capitals and the Islanders. Also early in the second period, Blue Jackets with a 1-0 lead at Tampa Bay. Hurricanes and Panthers 1-1. And the Penguins leading the Devils 2-1. Sidney Crosby has his 19th of the year. About five minutes left in the first period in Detroit. And the Wings are up 2-0 on the Stars. Just getting underway, the Avalanche and the Blues. And facing off later on tonight in about two hours. It's the Senators and the Canucks. Off day for the Edmonton Oilers after that physical affair against the Montreal Canadiens last night. The Oilers are expected to practice tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday, then off to Winnipeg, and that game against the Jets on Monday right here on 6.30. Jet face-off show at 5.30, and the puck will drop at 7. A lot of discussion about those two games against the Canadians. Nasty, nasty games with a lot of plays that I think many of you might deem illegal made by members of both teams. The Oilers were by no means angels in the two-game series, and we'll discuss this more as we move on throughout the evening. I have placed the following poll on my Twitter account, P-O-L-L, not P-O-L-E. And you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. You can vote until 8 o'clock. That's when the show ends. We've already had close to 1,000 people cast a vote. You can pick only one of these. You would like to see the NHL more strictly penalize. And the choices are cross-checking, hits from behind, interference, and slashing. And we have a three-way race going on. Slashing has kind of fallen out of the running here. Cross-checking hits from behind and interference. If you could only pick one of those violations, which one would you like to see the the NHL penalize more often? We'll discuss that tonight and uh, some other issues related to officiating, toughness, nasty play, retaliation, all that kind of stuff as we move along tonight. Significant announcement made by the Canadian Football League yesterday as they are targeting a return date for a 14-game season starting August 5th. I'm pleased to welcome back to the show the commissioner of the CFL. It's Randy Ambrosi. Randy, thanks for checking in. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm doing quite well. It's great to have you on the show. First of all, I'll say, uh, you know, it's, it's really been great that you've joined us on the show, and I know you've done a lot of interviews across the country over the last year plus to keep people updated. I know there have been a lot of challenges, so I think everybody thanks you for that. And I think, and I'll get you to react to this, I I think yesterday, even though you're not going to get in an 18-game season, I think it was a good news day yesterday because there are some targets set. Uh, How are you feeling about that? Oh, yeah, Reed, I'll see your good day and raise you a great day. Uh, You know, I mean, frankly, it was just a lot of fun to be talking about playing football again. And, you know, it was a lot, uh, it was nice to be focused on that target now. So we, you know, we want to play. I'm so proud of the way the teams responded to, you know, the challenge. Obviously, this has been a lousy time for everybody. I don't have to tell any of your listeners in Edmonton or, or you know, in, in Alberta that this last uh, 13, 14 months have been, you know, tough on everybody. But, uh, 
I think there is light at the end of the tunnel now. We, you know, we've got a target to play. The conversations, you know, with uh, with the players uh, are positive. We'll work hard there. Our stakeholders have responded really well. And, you know, uh, again, just nice to be talking about playing football again. Well, it, it is good to have that target date. And we also have a date for the Great Cup. And it was funny yesterday, Randy, because I, I never thought that uh, weather in Hamilton in December might be the most Googled thing in Canada, especially in the middle, uh, middle of April. But tell me it's sort of uh, at arriving at 14 games and also arriving at that date for the Great Cup and how late you might have been comfortable pushing it into December. Yeah, well, I was just... Uh... Yeah, I'm just uh, thinking about how this all came about, and I think the real credit goes to uh, the Ticats, to uh, Bob Young and Scott Mitchell, Matt Afnick, who all really rose to the challenge. Actually, uh, the Player Association should get some credit too because they did ask. They, you know, they are obviously uh, <coughs> they want their players to play as many games as they can, and they asked about pushing it back. And you know, again, real kudos to uh, to Bob, Scott, and Matt for responding and and finding a way to move that game into December. You know, one of the things that I love about it, it's uh, is that for anyone who has loved this game as much as you do and, and I do and your listeners do, they know that weather has been such a cool part of this league's history. And I can't tell you the number of people who have called or emailed today or have been talking to who have said they've got their toque and their scarf and their and their and their snow boots ready for Grey Cup this year. In fact, read in a weird way, it could be the perfect the perfect thing to have a Grey Cup at the end of this COVID crisis. It could be the perfect thing to be in Hamilton on December the twelfth, watching our great game being played. Okay, so speaking of watching games, what are your current? I don't know if expectations are the right word, but, uh, you know, kind of your what's your current mindset with actually having people in seats in stadiums? You know, I think there is good reason to feel optimistic. You know, the guidance we're getting from public health officials, um, you know, it's, it's cautious advice, but the advice we're being given is that by early June, they are hopeful that uh, with a lot of people getting vaccinated and, uh, you know, one of the things that we're doing, Reed, is we are, we are going to take a public service approach and encourage every Canadian who gets an opportunity to be vaccinated to, to go and get their shot. We're also going to be encouraging everyone to, you know, follow all the government uh, guidelines on uh, social distancing and hand washing and all those other things they're asking us to do because there is reason to believe that by early June, we're going to see, we're hoping, uh, you know, frankly, might say we're praying to see uh, that we see a sharp decline in COVID, the, the spread of the COVID virus. And and then there's reason to believe that we are going to see fans in the stands. And uh, it'll probably be a smaller percentage uh, early on and, and then growing to a larger percentage towards the back end of the season. But of course, that's the big key is to... We need fans in the stands, and frankly, sports suck without fans in the stands. So you know, let's let's just say right there, it's going to be way better for us to play with uh, with our great fans in the stadium. Yeah. Well, I saw Connor McDavid score a great goal in person the other night, and I wished more people could have been there in person, and I could have heard the actual cheering instead of the yeah the uh, the can cheering that, that that they put over the the schedule. That's now everybody okay when. When, um, how, how do you think it's it, it's it's going to look? Uh, will there be you know more divisional matchups? Could teams have to play 
in other cities other than their own if yeah. there are maybe regulations they still might be facing in their home province? Yeah, again, Reed, one of the really cool things that, uh, that was uh, a foundation on which yesterday's announcement were made is the way the teams have approached this. They're, they're going into this with a really open mind. Uh, of course, uh, you know, as we said yesterday, the teams in the East are prepared to travel early if it means traveling out West where the restrictions may be lifted sooner. That is really cool. Teams are offering to help each other. Like there's been this banter back and forth between the teams about how they may help you be able to help each other. Those discussions have already started. So, you know, Rita, I think that the, uh, the mindset is creativity. The mindset is flexibility. Uh, and the mindset is excitement because our teams want to get back and play football and we want to get our great players on. So, you know, yeah, we're going to see, we're going to see some creative scheduling. The process has already started by the way. Uh, and we'll see some creative schedule. It takes a little bit because it is going to be a bit peculiar, uh, but we expect a great outcome. What, do you think we'll have something within a couple? I mean, I, I got to ask you for some sort of a time frame. Do you think we'll have a schedule within a yeah, couple? Listen, of weeks? quite honestly, uh, I've I've asked if we could try to have something in the next, say, ten days or so. Uh, you know, nobody's told me to pound salt at this point, so I guess that's a good sign. Although, you know over over zoom when we're, we're how we do most of our calls they might shut their screen off and their microphone off and say something different to me off uh, off screen but no look we're we're going to press our team hard uh we're going to get we're going to get something out as quickly as we can i mean that's the promise to uh, to you reed and all of your listeners and our fans from coast to coast and is that we're going to get something out as fast as we possibly can but it's it's a bit complicated because we're, uh, you know, we are trying to account for, you know, the ideas we have today about uh, moving our teams around a little bit uh, to accommodate a full 14-game season. Randy Ambrosi from the Canadian Football League, the commissioner joining us then on Inside Sports. Randy, just a couple more for you. What about players being vaccinated and Americans coming back to their club teams and, uh, and those concerns, obviously other sports have had bubbles or daily testing or things like that. How is the CFL right now looking at handling that? Yeah, well, I am very happy to report that the conversations with public health authorities on our return to play plan have gone very well, uh, particularly a West to start. Uh, we have verbal approval from BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba for our plan. And it incorporates all of the things that governments have asked us to do in terms of uh, isolation before they leave home, quarantine when they get to Canada, uh, a protocol for testing, et cetera. All of those things were included in a very robust plan. And, uh, and of course, now we're in conversations with Ontario and Quebec as well. Uh, but to be fair to Ontario and Quebec, they, you know, the, 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 the crisis, the COVID crisis is quite profound here right now. And we know they're, we know they're super busy, but uh, again, Reed, happy to say we got a lot of support from the, from the provinces for our plan. So we think we've got, and we're going to continue to work on it. Uh, giant shout out to Dr. Nadu, uh, who has been such a great friend to this league and, if you happen to see him, of course, socially distant, give him a hug for me because he is a uh, he's a true rock star and and he's one of the unsung heroes of yesterday's announcement. Okay, well, that's all positive to hear. So so we look forward to seeing that play out and getting the schedule and all that fun stuff. I got to ask you about one other thing. Um, there's this other FL, not the CFL, the XFL. Boy, oh boy. 
you had some nervous Canadians when that announcement happened, Randy. Uh, I got a lot of feedback on the talk show. Why are we merging with that league? Are we going to be playing four down football? What's going on? You know, I, I know there's a lot of pump the brakes on that kind of stuff, but I'll, I'll leave it to you. Can you describe the, the nature of the relationship between the CFL and the XFL? Yeah, uh, Reid, I'm, I'm happy to. Look, I, I think for as long as you and I can remember, and I'm a little older than you are, by the way, um, and I got a pretty good memory. For as long as any of us can remember, the, the game, our game, and our players have been amazing. Like off the charts, world-class players and world-class game. But our business has never been quite as good as, a, as the game and our players. And the reason to have this conversation is because our game and our players deserve a, a, a business that's as good as they are. And, and having this conversation is about an exploration of what might be possible. Are there, new, are there new revenue stream opportunities? Look, the reason we didn't play last year is because a relatively small percentage of our revenues come from broadcast. Now, TSN is a wonderful partner, and I love them as much as we uh, as you possibly could, but our, our domestic-only broadcast deal isn't enough to sustain us uh, without fans in the stands. So this is about trying to build a business that can match punch for punch with the power of our game and our players. And I think that's why we're having the conversation and we don't know exactly where it's going to take us, but most of the conversation today is focused on the opportunity, the business opportunity, the business model opportunity. And if, and if it turned out that that was really exciting, then there's lots of other great things to talk about, but I just want to make sure that football is strong in Canada. I want to make sure that the Edmonton football club and all of our other eight teams. And I want to make sure that my dear friend, Chris Morris at the University of Alberta has a very strong football ecosystem to, 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 to play in, uh, to play college football in. And, and I want uh, junior football to have an incredibly strong ecosystem. So this is about making sure that the, that the business of our game is strong. And, uh, and if we can get, if we can find a, a, an answer there, the, uh, read, or, uh, read then, then perhaps we'll have something substantial to talk about. That, but that's where most of the focus is today. Okay. Well, Randy, we appreciate you hopping on 6.30, Chet, for the update. Uh, I'm sure we'll be, we, we'll be talking again as, as more news uh, comes out. And uh, hopefully as we move through this calendar year, we're talking about actual games being played. That'll be fun to do. So thank you I for checking in. I agree. And Reed, hey, do me a favor. Once it's allowed, when you see my friend Blake Dermott, can you give him a big bear hug for me? <laughs> Will do. He'll love that. <laughs> yeah. Take care. Thank you. There we go. I got a mission from the commissioner of the CFL, Randy Ambrosi. I have to give Blake Dermott a bear hug. I'm sure Blake will be thrilled when he hears that. Okay, so there's the update from Randy Ambrosi. So hopefully a schedule within 10 days, August 5th, kickoff and the Grey Cup in December in Hamilton. And I think they feel fairly optimistic with how vaccines are going. And as he said, maybe if a team is in a province where things aren't going so well, they start on the road or play some neutral site games or something like that. 6-21, halfway through the second period now, still 3-2 Toronto leading Winnipeg. It's Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet.
Connor McDavid leading the league in scoring. Have an incredible season. Looks like he's on his way to the Hart Trophy, regardless of what happens down the stretch here. Good to have Commissioner Randy Ambrosi from the CFL on the program, and we'll have a little more football talk later on. Brock Sunderland, the general manager and VP of football operations from the Edmonton football team, is uh, going to check in. All right, here's the deal. We're going to talk. I want to hear from you if you are inclined to call me at 780-496-0063. That's the hotline, courtesy CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials. You can also text 780-496-0063. It was nasty the last two games between the Oilers and the Canadians. Did you like it? Was it too much? Did the referees need to step in? Does the attitude about certain types of fouls in the National Hockey League need to change i was talking to my dad this afternoon who's been watching hockey longer than i have he hates cross-checking he says if you put your stick on somebody with two hands and push should be a penalty all the time that's what he thinks we'll dive into some of this when we get back 780-496-0063 inside sports on chet Good to have you tuning in tonight. It is now 4-2 for the Maple Leafs leading the Jets. About uh, four and a half minutes left in the second period there. Mitch Marner has his 15th of the season, most recent goal in that game. Austin Matthews did score earlier, actually in the first minute of the game. He now has 34 goals this season. Late in the second period, Rangers up 1-0 on the Flyers. Bruins leading Buffalo 2-1 after two. No score, Capitals and Islanders. Last minute of the second period, Blue Jackets and Lightning in a 1-1 tie. Seth Jones, his fifth of the season for Columbus. Five minutes left in the second period, Hurricanes and Panthers. It's Carolina up 2-1. Penguins taking it to the Devils so far. Remember, the Devils had that furious comeback the other night, almost tied it. Penguins up 5-1 after two in that game. 3-0 for the Red Wings over the Stars. That's early in the second period. Five and a half minutes left in the first in St. Louis. It's 1-0 for the Blues over the Avalanche. Schwartz has scored his fifth of the season, came on the power play. Senators and Canucks are going to face off at 8 o'clock. Okay. Well, I already got a bunch of messages coming here on the text line, so I appreciate that. Uh, 780-496-0063, that is the number to call or text. We have uh, several open lines as well if you want to speak. And I'll, uh, I'll direct you as well if you want to have some fun this evening. Well, hopefully you can do something that's more fun in voting in a Twitter poll, but that's one thing you can do. I posted this. You can pick only one. You would like to see the NHL more strictly penalize. And the four choices I have are cross-checking, hits from behind, interference, and slashing. Over 1,100 people have voted. You can vote until the end of the show at 8. Cross-checking has a slight lead over hits from behind and interference. Slashing, not really a factor in this one. Spencer has replied to the Twitter poll. He says, hitting from behind more than anything, but I've been saying for a long time, the interference that's happening when a player chips the puck into the zone is getting beyond the allowable margins, in my opinion. Puck is in the corner, and the D-man is still facing and slowing down an attacking player. And that's something they try to they did change after the lockout that wiped out the 04-05 season, and I think more and more of that interference has crept back into the game. We'll see how that goes. 
I, I want to preface these comments by saying this, and it, we, we've had these discussions over the years now. I mean, it's my eighth season of doing Oilers hockey, and I don't want to just do a, a crap on the ref segment because I totally believe if if someone is refing in the NHL, they are one of the best refs in the world, and they've taken a tough path to get there, and they've made it. But uh, the refing can have a pretty big impact on the game, and there are games where I think it becomes one of the main storylines. And I think that was the case last night and maybe to some extent on Monday as well. So I do think we can have a fair and intelligent conversation about it without just saying, well, every ref sucks and playing three blind mice and all that kind of stuff. So so anyway, um, you know, I, I, I find from doing this job, I get to talk to a lot of people who are a lot wiser than I am. And I try to remember wise things that I hear along the way. And Tom Higgins joined me a couple of years ago, and he had been the CFL director of officiating for a while. Of course, he did coach the double E, coach the Stamps, coach the Alouettes. Now he's defensive coordinator with the U of A Golden Bears. And he said after every weekend of games in the CFL, he'd get the angry emails and calls from coaches or general managers about things that weren't enforced to their liking in games. And Tom said something that stuck with me. And and he said that he would often say back to these coaches or GMs, he said, when you are driving on the highway and the speed limit is 100 and you're going 101, do you think you should get a ticket? And of course, everybody said no. And that's what makes... I think rule enforcement in sports interesting and difficult is that I think most of us agree. Well, maybe not most of us agree, but I'll tell you what I think in, in terms of watching a sport being played, I don't want the tickets being given out for the guy going 101 in a 100 kilometer zone. If he's going 115, then yeah, he should get a ticket. And if he's going 130, he should definitely get a ticket. So I think that's for me is where does the referee place the line? And I think that's where the phrase game manager sometimes gets thrown around negatively by some people in the media. And one of them is Bob from noon to two. And I don't know if Bob and I have ever had this direct conversation, but I don't, I would disagree with Bob that being a game manager as a referee is a bad thing because I think you have to have a feel for the game. And maybe some games you need to call the situations where the guy is driving 105 in a 100 zone. Other games you don't. And I think you have to feel that and you have to manage that. Now, again, once it gets up to 110, 115, 120, you should probably be making the calls. And I think that was the problem last night is that we saw a game that appeared to feature, if I'll use the term feature loosely, some pretty grotesque violations. And both teams were doing it. And star players on both teams were doing it. Shea Weber, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Josh Anderson. I mean, it was it was all over the ice. And it, it was weird that the referees didn't step in earlier or, and even give double minors or, or give somebody a misconduct or calm it down. That, that was what was odd to me. Now, in some way, I think it's a good thing we're having this type of conversation because it must mean the Oilers are a competitive team because we're not we're 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 not worried about the uh, the marginal calls or the one or two extra power plays a game if the Oilers are out of it like they have been at this time of the year and, and I'm trying to explain draft lottery odds to everybody. So I think that's good. That is it is in itself a discussion topic. 
because it means that these penalties and power plays might mean something in a game. Don says, Reed, the ref's not good last night. Leon took some cross checks, which should have been penalties. However, Connor could have been called a couple times for high elbow hits. All in all, I think it evened out. Uh, another texter named Don says, I am old school. I do like the playoff style atmosphere with games like that. Problem is with the inconsistencies. They don't call stuff they should, and they call stuff they shouldn't. Uh, Don, I'll, I'll deal with your question about the expansion draft later. I think we want to focus on this t- uh, tonight. Darren says the bottom line is this start calling cross checks for all teams. Hockey is not lacrosse where they can place and push. Last night's game was ridiculous. If you start calling it consistently, the players will learn. Oski says, Reed, I agree with your dad. Officiating the last two games, especially the last game, a complete embarrassment. I always believe the rule book was created for a reason, so call the game according to the rules. That's from Oski. We have former D-man Mark, 124th, or was it 114th? I think I move you down in the Norris Trophy voting from 1983 every time you're on, Mark. You weren't close to winning. Well, let's just put it that way, but you got a few votes. <laughs> What's on your mind, man? Oh, man. No, it's... Uh... I mean, I've got a few points uh, to make tonight. Uh, one is I, I don't personally believe in the management style of the game. I mean, I understand you, you're, you're, you're going to keep things within reason. The, the problem I have, and I've seen that a couple of times this year, where I, I think it was actually Ottawa, Edmonton was just blowing them right out. And uh, it, it became abundantly apparent that if, uh, if uh, Edmonton was given any more power plays, it was just going to be it was just going to be a complete joke. You know, the, the team was going to lose like 10 to one or something like that. So they basically put away the, they put away the, the whistle going into the third period. And there was stuff that Ottawa got away with where, where they shouldn't have. And, you know, I'd rather see rather than managing the game and, you know, trying to keep it respectable or close. In this case, they couldn't because they just they were getting annihilated. I'd rather see a team get blown out. I'd rather see a team get embarrassed because part of the problem is we, we have this perception of parity in this league. And the perception of parity is largely a result of the three-point game, where where you can have a club that has a you know a tremendous win-loss record, but they really have no more points than than you know somebody that's had uh, you know 21 point or 20 overtime losses. Like and, the Canadians, uh, for example. Know, pardon? <laughs> like oh, the Canadians, I, for example. I have to look at the standings. I mean, you know, we've seen that in the past. Yeah. We've seen that a lot in the past. And, you know, it's like we don't have to manage the game. You, you, you've got to keep it clean. I mean, you don't want a bunch of, you know, garbage happening. Obviously, if garbage is happening, call it. But you know what I'd rather see is we have two nuclear weapons on this team. And I'd rather see this team get the respect that it's earned at this point because of the decade of darkness that it's earned at this point where you can allow those players to play the game the way the game is meant to be played. And anybody that can't compete with that too bad you know if you if you have to clutch and grab if you have to hook if you have to slash if you have to play outside of the rules to compete with that team i'd rather see him honestly 15 power plays because at some point in time honestly i do i want to see 15 power plays no but at some point in time the teams are going to learn well wait a minute i can't do that because right. if I do that, I'm going to be in the box. We're going to lose. We're going to lose. It's just not even going to be close. And then all of a sudden you go, okay, we, we have to have an evolution in the game here. We can't have players that cannot skate. 
we have to have players that can skate. I mean, obviously, everybody out there can skate better than anybody listening on radio. But (laughs) (laughs) I I want to see the game the way the the game is meant to be played. Because part of the conversation on Bob's show today was, well, do we have to have a nuclear deterrent? Right. Well, for starters, you're not going to be playing a team eight and nine times in a season. No, maybe if you include playoffs, if you meet them in the playoffs, yes. So you're not going to pattern your your team to play one particular team and then the rest of the year Buddy's sitting because he's, you know, useless Mm -hmm. uh, in regard to being required. So, so, uh, uh, no, no, it's just that at some point in time, if you let it keep letting it go, you're going to have an evolution and it's going to be going the opposite way of the way you want it. It's going to be getting less skilled players in. I mean, obviously very skilled players, but less skilled players than the best players. And they're going to be the, as I call them, the thug. And, and, and this, 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 it, the league doesn't require that. As, as, far as, the, um, as far as the officiating balancing itself out, I believe it does balance itself out. I don't believe it balances itself out in a season. I think it balances itself out over, over generations. Because the Oilers, oh, nice. they were, well, when they were good, when the Oilers were good, let's be honest, they got away with crap that other teams didn't get away with. But when the Oilers were bad, the, the refs would call stuff on them because it didn't matter. The right. Oilers were garbage. Oh, that's an interesting way to look at it. It's not like it affected their season. Their season was, they were, they were done almost before they began. Mark, this was a good call, man. Thank you for checking in, okay? Hey, have a good night, Reed. Former D-man Mark on the line. Larry writes in, he says, Hi, Reed, that was the worst refing ever. It's a disgrace the NHL to keep Colin Campbell in the position he's in. Holland needs to use his years in the league and respect he has to lobby the NHL about how McDavid and Dreisaitl are treated. What happens to the Oilers if one of them gets hurt? Casting is a Band-Aid. The Oilers need someone who will stand up, a tough guy who can play. That is from Larry. Retired banker in Vermilion. He says, Hi, Reed, I've officiated... Over 1,000 minor hockey games. In my opinion, it's been awesome. The refs are calling the game like a playoff tilt, and all the games in the North are great to watch. Great job, refs. That is from a retired banker in Vermilion. Okay, Doug and KJAM, you're up next. i got to get in a quick break, though. Inside Sports on Chet. zero four nine six zero zero six three we have doug standing by doug thanks a lot for calling go ahead no problem reed yeah i actually want to get your two cents on the cfl xfl side of things the one thing that's kind of been tripping me up a little bit is trying to ascertain where the xfl sees the value in the cfl and you know me i'm a huge cfl guy so i don't say that disrespectfully but I mean, this is a league that has a lot of tradition in this country, but very little down there. I mean, yes, there are Americans that know the league and understand it a bit, but much like if we had Belgian soccer suddenly show up in Canada to partner with the Canadian Premier League, it has a you know 100 years of tradition in Belgium, but people here don't know it, don't understand that. It, it has no value here. And I think that's the part for me that I'm, I'm a little perplexed by. I can see the CFL's rationale to a degree, certainly a, a revenue connection, 
in terms of potentially a broader TV deal, obviously the Rocks visibility, we get that part. But if I'm NBC looking to broadcast the XFL, do I want to have a, more games between Tampa Bay and New York or do I want Tampa Bay and Hamilton? And I think that's where I'm getting a little bit perplexed in terms of where that value comes in for the XFL. So anyway, I'm just love your two cents on it, but that's what's been tripping me up a little bit, among other things, with this whole potential deal. It's a good question. I think the XFL seems to respect the CFL's longevity and that it has survived as a minor pro league for as long as it has. Uh, I wonder if they're going to team up for to offer games on some sort of a streaming service as opposed to conventional television if this moves yep. along. And I, I also think they're going to share players. I really yeah, do. I think right. that's what the yep. XFL thinks. Where maybe we're going to get the guys, uh, get get those guys that that are good and maybe can't quite go to the NFL. I, I know that'd be a lot of games for guys in a season. Thanks, man. Good question. Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Reed. That's Doug. We also have K Jam checking in. K Jam, always nice to hear from you. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, yeah. I was wanted to chime in a little bit on the NHL refereeing, and the way I see it, I think that the refereeing has to go or should go one of three ways. There's there's the Hudson Bay rules of the playoffs, but you know if you're going to do that, you can't you can't call the stars when they start getting chippy back. And I think that's where some of the problem I had with with last night's contest went. Um, or you call it by the book, and then you know everything is fair game, and you just just call it by the rule book. Or there's a third more complex way to call it, and I think that this is something that it, it's a fine line to walk, but I think that, that a, an interesting way to approach the refereeing might be to let, you know, the grinders and the, you know, the complementary players, you know, play with a little bit more leeway and play that physical brand of hockey that we've all, to some extent, grown up and loved and what we loved, the parts of the game last night that we did love. Um, and but then but then when you come to the skill players and the star players, the guys that, that you're marketing the league around, you have to call it tighter. Like I, I think that that's sort of the way that the NBA does it to some extent. And you know, I mean, it's going to be walking a fine line. Like how do you call Bo Horvat? You know, how do you call John Carlson? Right. And so some of those guys that sort of you know tread that line between being skill players and being guys that uh, uh, are very physically involved in the game. I think that that's the the fine line you have to you'd have to work around if you you took that as sort of more of a model. But, you know, I think that you have to go one way or the other because last night there was just, there was no real rhyme or reason to how the ref was going to call the game. And that was very difficult to to navigate if you're uh, if you're a player that's trying to adjust to that sort of style like, like Leon and Connor were. KJ, I always appreciate your thoughts, buddy. Before we break for the news and weather, I also want to get Roland on to Inside Sports. Roland, you're on with Reed. you got about a minute, buddy. Go ahead. Okay, thanks, Reed. Uh, love your show. Um, I just wanted to comment on the, uh, the goaltender interference, not interference call. I looked at that over and over again today in slow motion, watched the replays, and for me, the missed call was the interference was not on the stick necessarily. Uh, it was Thomas Tatar who swept in, uh, tried to deflect that shot, didn't get there in time, and he stuck his leg out deliberately, hooked Smith's the top of his pad, twisted him around and uh he couldn't recover from that his he put his paddle down in fact to keep his balance he was almost going to flip over like a turtle <laughs> on his under right. his back and then anderson swoops in and certainly didn't try to avoid the stick but i mean the game's happening at speed but i thought it was the tatar um, leg that was the real interference and it was totally missed roland who's the team to beat in the north do you think in the north 
I'm an Oilers fan, so it's the Oilers. All right. Thanks for calling, buddy. Thank you. We'll get back to this discussion as we move along tonight. We'll also visit with Brock Sunderland from the Double E football team. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Thanks for checking out the show. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.